I am committed to looking for ways to serve the greater good, to showing up with love and not judgment, with gratitude and not lack, with faith instead of fear, and I am committed to help others do the same. Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now, get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. Hey, Roar Nation, John Fuller here, and I am super excited to introduce today's special guest, Cliff Ravenscraft. Cliff, you fired up and ready to rock it? Let's do this, John. I'm excited to be here. All right, let's do it. So, prior to podcasting, Cliff was a very successful independent insurance agent. And then back in 2007, Cliff gets consumed with the passion of podcasting, which leads to over, yes, 2,800 individual episodes and more than 20 shows. Cliff has ministered to tens of thousands of people across the world, and I love what Cliff says. He says, if you pursue your passion, the money will follow. All right, Cliff, barely scratched the surface of who you are, how awesome of the stuff that you do. Let's dive into our listeners to let them hear about more of your interests and your passion for Jesus. Sure. Well, I'll tell you what, my passion is to take all of the experiences that I've had in life and to take the things that I'm doing to take my life to the next level and to share all of that with others by creating content that will entertain others, educate them, encourage them, and inspire them. One of the, can I jump out of order or should Dude, we always stay in order? You're the guest, bro. You get to do right. whatever you so, want. I know one of your questions is, do you have a favorite quote or scripture? And it kind of just plays into the answer of what you just asked me here. And one quote that really sticks out in my mind, it's First Peter 3.15 and maybe even 16. But it says, always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have. But when you do, do so with gentleness and respect. And that's kind of how I approach life these days. <laughs> Not so much in my early days. I was one of those street preacher, super, you know, over the top street evangelist types in my early days of my faith. But today I take this approach that I have this great amount of respect for everyone and where they are in their journey and trusting that it's not my responsibility to convert anyone, but to always be prepared to give the reason for my hope whenever that opportunity comes. And I kind of what I assume with that is always be prepared to give a reason. And I like to think that when asked, you know, when I've invested enough in someone else and I've lived a life worthy of somebody asking, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about this hope that you seem to have in life, this joy that you have in life? Can you tell me a little bit more about what drives you? And I like to let them start that conversation and rather than me trying to initiate it everywhere and trying to convert everyone. Cliff, I love that answer because, man, when you said that, I thought about myself in my early 20s and all the way through. I would debate anything, uh, studied stuff, different religions. I would study evolution, different things. And what I found was is you can just try to cram stuff down people's throat, but it's exactly what it is. It's cramming it, and they don't want to hear it. I mean, has that been your experience over the years as you get older? You realize, like, hey, man, there's just got to be a better approach to this whole thing. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the one thing that was very successful for me was in the early days, I could scare people out of hell. 
<laughs> you know, and, and what I've come to realize is that that's really not a valuable experience. It, you know, no. God's never really called any of us to join him out of fear for what might happen if we don't. That's not really what it's all about. It's about grace and it's about what God's done for us and not what we have to do to earn it. And, and it's not about being punished. It's about being loved. And so, man, I tell you what, when grace got a hold of me, it changed everything in my life. Dude, love that answer because you said you talk about fear. And the first thing that come to my mind is it talks about God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of peace, love and a sound mind. And if I have to scare people out of hell, then that's really not the gospel because there's not peace, love and a sound mind in that. Yeah. And I don't want my wife to be my wife and live with me and, and all this other stuff. If the only reason she's doing it is for fear of what might happen if she wasn't with me. I love that. That's a great answer. Great analogy, too. So, all right, I want to jump into your life journey, but where I want to start is for reading your website, the thepodcastanswerman.com. So I'm throwing it out there to our guests. You can check it out. It's a great site. Well, let me back up just a little bit. So the whole purpose of our show is finding people's purpose, passion, how that ties in with our faith. And you talk about that a little bit on your site. So back before 2007, you start playing a little bit with podcasting, you start doing some stuff. Take me down that journey for our listeners about finding your passion. And then what's that look like over the last several years doing it? I'll tell you what, I'll give you a Reader's Digest version of this and I'll make it as, as short as possible. But let me just say that finding my passion and my purpose in this world has been a lifelong journey of 43 years so far, nice. and I'm still figuring it out. But there are a couple clear things that I can share with you. Number one, when I was a little kid, my mom bought a Citizens Band radio, a CB radio. And I'll never forget, you know, getting my hands on that thing and broadcasting my voice around the city of Cincinnati. You know, I would broadcast over. I live in northern <laughs> Kentucky and I would do things that were quite illegal, which basically was I would transmit like nonstop and I would create my own CB radio show. <laughs> And I'm like, hey, guys, this is Cliff Ravenscraft in northern Kentucky coming to you live. And boy, did I make all the truckers mad and everything for taking up the air. But so there's always been that little bit of that. And then, of course, there's been this technology bent, you know, that God's you know, just given me this gift of just figuring things out with technology without ever reading any books or anything like that. And when I became a Christian, I got very passionate about my faith. And when I got married, I'm like, you know what? I want to devote my life to God. And I felt this calling to full-time ministry. And so there's a little part of me that of my history where I was an associate pastor from all the way from 1996 to 2006. I was involved in associate pastor ministry roles. And when I started working for my mom and dad in an insurance agency that they owned, it's been a family-run insurance agency since 1935, my mom and dad asked me to come work for them to hook up their computer systems and create this online agency management software and, and all this other computer stuff that they didn't know anything about. And I said, listen, I'll come work for you if you agree to two things. And number one, I said, you, you got to promise me you'll never expect me or force me to get an insurance license because I have no desire to sell insurance. And number two, you have to agree that if I'm ever offered an opportunity to be a full-time pastor of a church, regardless of how much or how little I make, you can't give me a hard time about leaving insurance to go pursue that because that's what my calling in life is, is to do ministry full-time. And they said, okay, we agree to that. So long story short, or well, okay, maybe shorter, 
is that I got involved in the insurance agency. I'm working as an associate pastor on the side, waiting for my opportunity to go into this stuff full time. And I set up their computer systems. And here's what happened. I'm actually finished hooking up their computers. Everything's done. I've trained them how to use their software. Now what do I do? I'm sitting there filing papers away and I'm doing quotes for my dad. Now my (laughs) dad is getting all this information. I'm doing all of these quotes. I print out all of the different options, all of different coverages. Of course, to do this, I have to understand what some of this stuff is. So I'm starting to learn a little bit about this stuff. And then I do all of this work. My dad picks up the phone, gives them a price and that's all he's doing is giving them a price. They come in and sign an application, and then I have to finish the application. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. You're doing all the work. I'm not getting any of this. He says, well, here's the deal. You know, If you go and get your license, he says, legally, I can't pay you a commission unless you have a license. And I'm like, oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah, that and lit so, the fire real quick, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, and so I figure I'm like, I'm doing all this work. You mean I could actually be paying, be, getting my salary plus a commission? So I went and got my property and casualty license and, and started giving these quotes out myself and making a lot of money doing so. And then I ended up getting my life and health license and finding a true passion for educating people about the benefits of life insurance and more importantly, term life insurance and becoming debt free and all this other stuff. And that really lit a fire under me to the place where there were two different life insurance companies that I represented and one of them had 14,000 agents and I was ranked in the top 10 and another one had more than 48,000 agents and I was ranked in the top 50 out of all of those. Wow. And I was ranked in those top positions in both companies at the same time. Man, so that's impressive. And by the way, that was me competing against all the permanent life insurance people. And those top rankings were all based upon premiums. And if anybody's out there listening to my voice and they know anything about insurance, they know that term life premiums are a fraction of the cost of permanent life premiums. So I sold a lot of life insurance to say the very least. You and had, so you had your hustle going, dude, I, I have always been a hustler. So, and I, you know what the thing is, I, another thing, finding my passion, finding my purpose. I love to sell. I do. I, and when I think about selling, I think about selling is convincing people of the value of something or sharing my passion and enthusiasm for something that I believe in. That It's been the same thing. I sell my faith. You know, if I do it more on, I'll wait until somebody asks me, but Man, if you ask me, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you a reason for the hope that I have. If you ask me why I like life insurance and why I believe in it, I'm going to give you a reason. And I believe that if you hear me out, you'll hear the authenticity in my heart. You'll realize and understand that I'm not in this just to try to sell you something so it benefits me, but because I genuinely, authentically believe that what I have to offer or what I believe in can benefit you as well. And so I love to sell. Okay, I love to sell too. I love what you said. So take me back to, yeah, I'm sorry. We got a little bit of sidetracked. So where did this come from? These passions, how did I discover it? So what happened was I'm making lots of money and I'm starting to get a little bit of a glimpse of what I like to do, how I like to teach people, this idea that I can help people become debt-free, working at it one client at a time, right? And then I start podcasting in December 2005, And I need a hobby. I need something to kind of take my mind off of all this work that I'm doing. And so my wife and I start a podcast about the TV show Lost, of all things. And 
I loved this show because of the mysteries that it gave us and the way that the story was written and the hidden clues and Easter eggs that were written into the show so that people who are casual viewers, they could still enjoy the show. But, man, if you were willing to dig deeper, there's a whole lot more going on to the show than meets the eye. And it actually added an online element which had never happened in television before, where millions of people around the world were spending hours every week interacting and engaging with one another about the themes of this television show, sharing their shared passion for it. And so when I discovered podcasting, I'm like, this is awesome. I love podcasting. And then when I discovered the TV show Lost, I'm like, hey, I wonder if there's any podcasts devoted to Lost. And so I subscribed, I did a search, and there were five of them. And I'm like, wait a second, there are five podcasts devoted to the TV show Lost, and I subscribe to every one of them and listen to them every week. And then so I started blogging about the TV show Lost on my blog. And I came up with this theory based upon something I saw in the show, and I left some voicemail feedback for one of the podcasts. And they played my voice on their show, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this reminds me of when I was a kid, and I heard my voice on the radio when I called in a request, and they played my voice, and I called all my friends and said, you got to listen, I'm going to be on the radio. And here I was, my voice was in a podcast, and it was a podcast that was going to be heard around the world with the people I admired the most, the people who were just as passionate about this TV show as I was. And so that led to a lot of blog traffic to my website, and not only that, but Entertainment Weekly, or EW.com, did an entire article on my theory on their website. And I had a couple people say, Cliff, you know what? I heard your feedback on the Lost Transmission podcast. I think you should do your own podcast. It sounds to me like you've got some great ideas. And well, John, it didn't take a lot to stroke my ego. <laughs> and so I created my own podcast. I invited my wife, Stephanie, to join me. And so we started podcasting together about Lost. You can see the show over at lostpodcast.com. Now, the interesting thing was this TV show gave my wife and I the opportunity to talk about a lot of different themes because there was an episode titled Tabula Rasa which means a clean slate. The idea that you can actually take whatever your experience is in life, you can choose to start new. You can choose to have a clean slate. Just imagine my wife and I as a Christian couple, what opportunities for conversation that would open up for us to have with an audience. And by the way, I forgot to share this with you, but my first podcast, The Lost Podcast, by episode number three, through some crazy circumstances, I had 16,000 subscribers oh by episode number three. By the end of the show, we had over 65,000 subscribers. Oh, my gosh. That's now, amazing. this is not typical, but this is uh, – now, you could reproduce some of this with a very popular show that has millions of listeners around the world. But anyway, so here my wife and I, we're talking about you know starting over, clean slate. There's an episode called All Good Cowboys Have Daddy Issues. There was an episode called The 23rd Psalm where this actor on the show, character was supposedly a priest. And he quotes the 23rd Psalm, although he mixes up two of the verses. And we believe it was intentional and how that actually changes the meaning and what that might mean to the actual direction of the show. And so it gave us this opportunity to talk about faith and family and finances and daddy issues and starting over and all these other things. And I'm like, wow, all of this from a TV show. 
And we're having a, a powerful and positive impact in people's lives. And the reason why I know this is because we start getting these emails. And they're like, Cliff, you know, I've been listening to your show and I can just sense that you and your wife are Christian. And I got to tell you, I never in my life ever dreamed I would ever listen to a podcast from a Christian couple who's watching a secular TV show. I thought all Christians were stuck in the Middle Ages and none of them had televisions. (laughs) And then we had people saying, you know what? I heard you and your wife talk about becoming debt free. Can you talk more about that? And I had people say, Cliff, I'm really intrigued by this idea that you seem to be a very logical person who thinks about things thoroughly, but yet you say that you're a Christian. How did you come to faith? You know, these are the kind of emails that I'm getting, and I'm responding to them, like spending hours responding to emails every week. And finally, I got started getting the same questions over and over again, and I began to ask people, hey, if I were to create a different podcast and I was to take your question, I could leave your name off if you'd prefer to remain anonymous, but would you mind if I read your email and instead of responding with an email... Can I read your email in a podcast and then respond to it there with my voice? And that way, because these questions are coming up over and over again, I'd love to be able to have these answers as resources to just point people back to. And so I created a second podcast just for this. And all of a sudden, John, I realized, you know what? At that point, I had been in ministry for 10 years. And within the first three months of podcasting, I think I had a more profound impact in three months, in my first three months of podcasting, then all my 10 years of ministry officially within the local church prior to that. Okay, so that's really interesting that you said that. I've heard other people, I've had other friends say that before. Why do you think that was for you? Having more impact within, you're saying within the shorter period of time, you had more impact. Why do you think that? I believe it's because we're connecting with people First and foremost, around shared passions. It reminds me of a conversation, a talk that Donald Miller did right after he wrote the book, Blue Light Jazz. He was at the Catalyst Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. And he said, you know what? A lot of problem is that people own, Christians seem to only build relationships with people that are going to validate their worldview. And the problem with that is that if you, the average evangelical Christian in his mind, has this mentality, I'm going to establish a relationship with you as long as you either already agree with my worldview or I believe there's a chance that I can convince you to come to agreement with my worldview over time or that I can convert you if you're not already converted. And if I can't do that, then why would I waste my time when I could actually work on other people where I feel there is that opportunity? That was what he said. And when he said those words, I'm like, yep, that's me to a T. And I felt the conviction of just how wrong that was. I'm like, wait a second. You know what? And here's what happened, John. You know, I I come from a very staunch, very strict, very everything, fundamentalist background. And so for me, I'm like the bleeding heart liberal of my youth now. But here's what I can tell you is that what was interesting is I had this podcast audience and I had created another third podcast and fourth podcast. And my fourth podcast was Podcast Answer Man. And so I'm podcasting about podcasting. I'm podcasting about Lost. I've got all these other shows that I'm doing. And I built a relationship with this one guy. And he and I start having this conversation about the TV show Lost. We also share this love for technology. He's a podcaster. I'm a podcaster. We're interacting and engaging. We're having long conversations about our shared passions, right? 
And all of a sudden, and he's got this personal podcast, and I'm listening to his personal podcast, and I'm like, I really like this guy. And he, I mean, we're just really hitting it off. We've become really close friends. And we're talking, this is a relationship that is building over the course of about three, four, maybe five months. And then out of nowhere, I tune into his podcast one day, and it's a video episode instead of an audio episode. And I'm like, what in the heck? And so I definitely click it out. Uh, click on it, and the next thing I know, it's the Gay Pride Day in New York City. <laughs> That's awesome. And it turns out, and it wasn't until months into our relationship that with this person that I have already considered, he is my friend. Yeah. I find out after that, I ask him about it. What's up with the Gay Pride Party? He goes, well, gosh, Cliff, didn't you know I'm a bisexual humanist? Wow. That's <laughs> and awesome. I had no clue. I had no clue that he was an atheist. I had no clue that he was a humanist and I a secular humanist. And I had no clue that he was a bisexual. None whatsoever. And you know what? Because we had we, our relationship was first built upon what we had in common, our shared passions. Guess what? I developed a friendship with him. And one where I was probably, when it comes to any Christian influence in this man's life, I probably was the number one influence in his life when it comes to a Christian background. And when he had things come up in his life where there might be a potential crisis of faith or something like that, guess who he called for advice on how to deal with those things? He called me. Now, I, this person has never converted. In fact, today I will tell you that he's actually married to his husband. But you know what? That's not for me to say or anything like that. But what I can tell you is that I still consider that person to be a friend. And that is something that is life-altering. And I can say that the reason why I believe that I have the amount of influence and the impact that I have today is because relationships are started around shared passions rather than what do we disagree upon. And that's and when I think about my 10 years in ministry, I remember that, you know, gosh, I remember it's the handbook of the Nazarene church. It's the handbook of the Baptist church. It's the handbook of the Methodist, you know, gosh, all of us Christians who quote unquote believe that we are followers of Jesus most of my time there was all spent about what we're different upon. You know, do we yeah. speak in tongues? Do you yep. speak in tongues? Yes. You know, what is sanctification? What's entire sanctification? What is holiness? You know, what is all? Why can't we just find some common ground and focus on what we share in? And so I, you know, eventually, I don't know if you know this about me, but eventually in 2010, this grace message got me, like, hit me between the eyes. And set me free from so many different things. And I ended up leaving the traditional church altogether. My wife and I and our family hasn't attended a quote-unquote congregational gathering since September 10, 2010. Wow. Man, I just you're totally speaking my language. Uh, I got saved when I was 20 and uh, came from a really religious background. The denomination we were in, very judgmental and things like that. And same thing, man, when grace hit me, I just realized that people, they don't need uh, judgment. They need grace. What you're talking about, when you build relationship with people, I don't really care so much about what they believe or their background. Man, we're friends because I choose to be friends. Just because we don't believe necessarily in the same God or have the same viewpoints, we still say have the same passion and interest, and we're friends because of that, not because, like you're talking about, because I could convert them or something like that. It really changes your perspective. Yeah. 
You know, I was writing in my journal this morning and I wrote this down after being inspired by some things that I was reading. And I just wrote this. I said, I am committed to looking for ways to serve the greater good, to showing up with love and not judgment, with gratitude and not lack, with faith instead of fear. And I am committed to help others do the same. Oh, man, that's beautiful. Cliff, I want to jump into... Obviously, purpose and passion is a lifelong journey, and I recognize that, but you've really stepped into something that you feel, obviously, that you love, but that doesn't always look glamorous. There's obviously times where you jump into something. You talk about, I know on your website, you talk about hitting high seven figures. Obviously, most people think, you know, when I make a lot of money, that's where I'm supposed to be. You walk away from all that, and you step into podcasting. Now, at one point, you decide to go all in and you jump into it. Now, that's exciting and awesome, but I want to hear a story where you're kind of like, man, I don't know if this is going to make the money. Maybe you do or don't have that story or a failure. Somewhere in there, it was a huge challenge and a failure. I want to hear that and then what God did through your life in that circumstance. Well, first of all, my insurance career, after 11 years, right before I left, I was at the place where at the time I was making $87,000 a year plus amazing benefits on top of that, like two all expenses paid trips for vacation, like 10 day vacations twice a year, uh, one with just my wife and I, and then one with our entire family of five. So, and for those that don't know this, $87,000 in Northern Kentucky, for those of you who might be in California, the equivalent $87,000 in Northern Kentucky would be the equivalent of maybe a $200,000 income in in California because of the difference in, you know, the cost of living and stuff. So I was very successful in what I was doing financially. And when I left my career in insurance, it was, I literally cold turkey stopped January 1st, 2008. And that's when I began doing what I'm doing now full time. And when I started doing this, I was working. I didn't have any business experience. I had sales experience and I'm a good salesperson. But that's the only business like skill that I brought to the table was sales. I had no understanding of how to do marketing as far as like business plan and products and services. I didn't even understand pricing. I thought when I started out, I was charging $50 an hour for consulting. And I thought that was a lot of money. And didn't really do the math on like, let's just say I worked 40 hours a week and got 50 bucks an hour. It's not going to work out when you have the overhead and the business expenses and all this other stuff. So I had so many things I didn't know. But here's what happened. I ended up working for the first nine months. I worked about 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week without taking a day off for the first nine months. Wow. And after nine months, I finally got to the place where I took one day a week off. I started taking Sundays off completely. And when I took Sundays off completely after nine months, I decided to increase the number of hours I worked the other six days of the week. Ouch. At the end of the first year, so this was, you know, by the, you know, January 2009, at the end of my first year, my total net income from my business was $11,000. Now, you got paid pennies. Or were you at a ne- you might have been a negative, but you were definitely at pennies. Well, I definitely was not well paid that year. I was the only <laughs> employee in my business. Now, here's the cool thing. I remember going into my CPA at the end of the year and doing my taxes. And the interesting thing is he says, congratulations, your business is profitable. And he's like, that, that's not normal for an average. And it usually takes three to five years to get to profitability. And so my business was profitable. My business was generated enough income to pay for my 
overhead as far as computer software and all the servers that run my website. It paid for my health insurance benefits for my family, which was awesome. And it also paid the expenses for my CPA to do my taxes and payroll, which was pretty easy for him because there wasn't much payroll. So here's what happened. I went from $87,000 a year plus all these benefits to making $11,000 my first year in net income. And so how did we live? In January of 2008, we lived off of my last month's worth of income from December of 2007, my last month of doing insurance sales. In February of 2008, we lived off of my Christmas bonus, my final Christmas bonus. In March, April, and May of 2008, we literally lived off of the tax refund from the year before. Wow. And then we ran out of money. And guess what? The business did not have enough money at that time to pay us anything. Nothing. Nada. I mean, it just barely was making enough money to pay the overhead, the health insurance expenses. So I'm like, what do I do? And so there's options like, do I go out and sell pizzas? Do I, does Stephanie go out and get a job? Because she's a stay-at-home mom. Do I go out and get a business loan? And that was the number one advice most people gave me. And then, okay, well, there is this pension. And then everybody, I mean, literally every single person out there said, Cliff, whatever you do, do not take money out of your pension. And I'm like, I'm not going back into debt. My wife and I worked our butts off to get out of debt. I'm not borrowing money. I've got this money in my pension. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take out $14,000 out of my pension. I know that we're going to have to set aside 4000 of that to pay taxes and penalties for early withdrawal. And as a result of that, that leaves us $10,000. And that's how we lived for the next three months. And then the final three months of 2008, my business paid us enough money to where I had a net income of $11,000. That's how we made it through 2008. Now, the interesting thing was financially, this was the most stressful year of our lives and of our marriage. And as far as just like the emotional ups and downs, we're talking about full on depression would hit me just like out of the blue. What have I done? Have I just made the most irresponsible decision in the world? All of these kind of thoughts that would come up. And the interesting thing is my wife and I would sit down to do our bills every month and every single month through 2008, one of the two of us were in tears, literally full out crying. That's how stressful it was. But the interesting thing is that there was never a time where we were both down at the same time. It was either Stephanie was the one in tears and I was encouraging her or it was the other way around. I was the one in tears and she's the one providing hope and encouragement to me. Another thing that's very interesting about all of this is that when it comes to our relationship between my Stephanie and myself, husband and wife, we had never been more on the same page. We had never been more zeal for life and we never felt more in our lives. Prior to that, we had never felt that we were directly in the center of God's will, that we were exactly where God wanted us to be. And I'll give you one example of something. It was August of 2008. I'll never forget this day. And let me just check the date because I want to make sure that this is right. It might, I might be mixing my dates up here. I'm going to go ahead and give you a URL for your audience. They can pull this up. Oh, gosh, I'm way off. Well, I'll tell you what, let me give you another, this is a story that isn't from 2008. I've just mixed it up in my mind. But the story still goes along with the whole financial woes kind of deal, okay? Okay. So fast forward to, it's July 27th. No, actually, it is August. The check was written July 27th. So here's what happens. 
Stephanie and I are sitting down. We're doing our August budget for 2011. August is the month our kids go back to school. She tells me she needs this big, huge paycheck from our business. And I'm like, Stephanie, our business has been doing extremely well. This is actually at a point where we're starting to make ends meet financially. And she tells me, Cliff, I need a check for $8,000. And I'm like, what do you mean you need a check for $8,000? And she says, I need a check for $8,000. That covers all of our personal expenses. But the kids need school clothes. The kids need to go back. All of these different things. She needs a net check for $8,000. I said, well, if I write you a check for $8,000, when it all comes out and it's all said and done, it's going to cost about twelve dollars to $13,000 if I add in all the taxes. And I said, we have that much money in the account, but that wipes out the account. There would be no money to put towards next month's paycheck. And she's like, well, hasn't God provided for us this entire time? And I'm like, <laughs> stop that. Yes. <laughs> I love it. And so we go back and forth. And finally, I talk to Stephanie. I said, listen, do you have to buy the entire school year's worth of clothes for our kids? Can't you just buy them what they need for this first month? And then next month, we'll budget a little bit more. And we go back and forth. And here's the deal. Is there enough money to write that net check for $8,000? Yeah, there is. But I just really did not feel comfortable. I felt this uneasiness about wiping out that money and just trusting that there would be enough to be there next month. Although I had no reason logically to doubt God in providing because he has not, he had failed up to that point, even in the most dire of circumstances back in 2008. But here's what happened. We went back and forth. Stephanie got very frustrated with me. And when I say very frustrated, that's a very kind and filtered way to say it. (laughs) But we negotiated and I ended up writing her. She agreed I would write her a check for $4,500 instead of $8,000. So a sizably less amount than what she anticipated. And I wrote that check for $4,000. Actually, she wrote the check. I told her that was the amount. And she was not happy, but she understood And I'm sitting there and I'm getting ready and I'm entering all this stuff into QuickBooks. And I just feel that feeling in my heart. Cliff, do you trust me? And I'm like, what's this? And it's like, just tell her to write the check for 8,000. And I'm like, I know this wasn't me. It wasn't my heart. This was definitely a prompting of the Holy Spirit kind of moment. And I said, Stephanie, cut the check up. Rip the check up, throw it away. She goes, why? I said, write the check for 8,000. She goes, no, you said it. you're afraid. We'll deal with this. I've already written it. I said, tear the check up and write it for 8000 The money is there. I trust that I'll be able to do whatever it takes for us to have whatever it takes to make this work. Just go ahead, tear it up. So she writes the net amount for 8000 So she's ready to head out to the bank, right? Now, she leaves, and I'm sitting there doing the remaining of the accounting, and I'm figuring out, okay, what am I going to do next month to figure out how I'm going to have money to pay next month's paycheck? She comes back into the house, and she comes into my office just a few minutes later with an envelope in her hand, and she goes, you've got to see this. And I'm like, what? She goes, no, you've got to see this for yourself. And she goes, I can't tell you what it is. You have to open it. And I could see that it was an envelope, and I could tell that it had a letter that was folded up, and it had something inside the letter. John, by the look on her face, the only thing I could think of is that some girl had just sent me a nude picture of herself. (laughs) Because that's the look of shock and awe on Stephanie's face. So do you have that mental picture in your head? I got it, man. It's awesome. 
That's the look on her face. Now, if you go to gspn.tv slash check, you will actually see what she had in her hand. Again, this is gspn.tv slash C-H-E-C-K. And you will see that in it is a letter mark that was addressed on July 27th, just a week before this was all happening. And it's a letter from Stuart Crane who says, Cliff, please accept this contribution for GSPN Plus membership. I've listened to you for a couple months now. First found you, I was researching for some things related to podcasting. I've since listened to a bunch of your shows. I realized that you used to charge this monthly premium for GSPN Plus membership, but you've made a decision to go to a voluntary contribution method. And you might be a bit surprised about my contribution and the amount of it. And there's too many things to tell you in this letter. But just know this, you have already earned the full amount of this contributions for all the work that you've done since you started this podcasting network. You have earned every bit of what I made. There's no expectations, no strings attached. He says, I just want to let you know, I've been in business for 25 years. I've had this entrepreneurial experience. My software company brings in $12 million in annual revenue. And I've gotten to the point where I don't even have to work at all. And I make several million dollars a year in personal income. He says, I remember the passion that I had when I started my business many years ago. And what you are doing with GSPN reminds me of that. I just think what you're doing is great. And I would love to see it continue to succeed. Congratulations on creating something so exceptional. And I don't know, John, did you pull that up in your browser? No, I didn't. That's All right. That's okay. Okay. So. I wrote it down, just so you know, at gspn.tv. Slash check. Slash check, okay. And people can go there at any time, and it's a scanned image of that letter and the check for $12,000. All right, I'm dying to know. I'm not going to announce it, though, on here, because I want our listeners, gspn.tv forward slash check, you said. Forward slash check. Okay, we're getting there. Hold on, listeners. I'm going to jump on here because now I'm dying to know. Holy cow. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> I mean, tell me you literally think, God, you are amazing. Wow. I love he, it when God does that. The interesting thing, Stuart Crane, not a professing believer. Wow. He didn't say God told me to write you this check. It wasn't anything like that at all. But there is no doubt in my mind that God orchestrated this whole thing. Wow. And it blew the first check out of the water that you wrote. That's all I'm going to tell our listeners because you need to see it. So you hear the story. So the check that he writes you totally blows the one out of the water that you wrote, which is well, awesome. What the interesting thing is, is the check I needed to write was for 8000 And if you understand right. the employee and the Medicare and all the Social Security, the check that Stephanie was asking me to write cost our business $12,000. Right. And there was a $12,000 check in the mail. So guess what? The next month, God says, Cliff, write your wife the check for $8,000. It's what you, it is what your family needs. And I'm providing for your need. Now, this is his message to me that, and I realized this afterwards. I've already provided for your need. That's why you have the amount to write the net amount of $8,000 in your account at this moment in time. And I need you to write that check for your wife. Tell her to rip up the $4,500 check. Tell her to rip it up and write it for the net amount of $8,000 because I've already provided it. And don't you worry about next month. I've already got that one covered. I love that, man. That is so powerful. 
This is the let's get real round. What do you feel is your biggest strength? I think my greatest strength is the fact that I love people. I really do. I believe it's the one thing that has led and guided me to do all of the things that I do. And I genuinely love people and want to help see them succeed. And I can't stand to read a book and not take something that I've learned from a paragraph and then share it. It takes me forever to read a book. I read a book, I highlight something, and then I want to go post about it in social media. Or I want to go record a video about it or create a podcast episode about it. It's insane. But one thing that it's helped me do is it's helped me build a business because, wow, people have always said, I really love Cliff Ravenscraft because of what he has added as far as value to my life. And so I think that's my greatest strength is the fact that I really do love and care for people and see them succeed. Okay, so that's a great answer. My question to that is, is I have found a lot of times you can over-operate within a strength, which I don't know how you over-operate in love, but have you found there's a weakness within there? Yeah, my greatest weakness is that I love people too much and I want to see them all succeed. And <laughs> You don't have enough time to see everybody succeed, right? I'm not just playing around with that. I mean, no, go I, back to I'm 2008. The reality is that I had a desire to serve and help every single person who came across my path. And what happened was I said yes to everyone and I was always saying no to myself. And that's why in 2008, guess what? I was broke that year. And the reason why is because a lot of people came to me and they couldn't afford to help me. But would I help them? Yes, I would. And I was working around the clock and I was taking care of anything and everything I could do for anyone who came in my path. And I was always putting myself last. And the result of that, by the way, of always putting other people's needs before my own was that at the end of the first year, I had gained a substantial amount of weight into the place where I got to... I'm five foot six and a half and I weigh Hey, dude, I'm not the only one. But here's the deal, though. I was 272 pounds and ended up almost dying in the hospital as a result of a gallbladder attack. And wow. it was pretty insane. And so it got out of control. Helping people and always putting them first got out of control. And not only that, my love for helping other people all of a sudden started to fuel some other things. It's like, man, people's recognition and their admiration and their words of affirmation, those things really started to play into the human need called significance that we all have. I allowed my significance meter to kind of guide my life a period of time and my need for certainty. And I started to allow all of those things to kind of shift why I was doing what I was doing. What started out as a love for people and wanting to see them succeed turned into a love for the admiration and the words of affirmations of others actually turning in and seeing some of those things turn into certificates of appreciation and generating lots of income. And what started out as great turned out to be something that led me down a path that today I kind of regret, but I am who I am today and I've recovered from it. So I'm, I'm all good now. Praise God. Okay. So I want to talk about this. What is the biggest thing that God is stirring inside of you right now within your business? I think boldly stepping out into new things. The interesting thing is that I never felt more alive, that passion for life. And I've never felt more trusting and close to God as I did when I stepped out of my very secure, very comfortable job as an insurance agent to pursue the unknown in the world of podcasting. And then there was the whole year of financial insecurity and not knowing what was coming next. 
I don't know that I'd ever want to relive that stuff financially, but man, there was such a rush in trusting God and seeing God, his hand do things that there's no way I could do that on my own. And then there were several things that I've decided over the years that became very profitable things in my businesses. I'm talking about things that were generating sixty, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars a year of income that over time I'm like, this isn't what I'm gonna do anymore. And I would shut those things down cold turkey. Most people are like, What are you crazy? There's no way you could shut that down. It's like, listen, it's not what God wants for anymore. And so I would sabotage that to do something different. And every time I did would shut down and start something new, what would happen would be there would be a period of time where it's just like, is this really the right thing? Is this irresponsible? Is this that? And it ends up being that that thing has now generated 10 times more than what I could have ever dreamed of doing with the other stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty exciting. And I believe that I'm at that place again, John. I believe I'm at a place where God's trying to convince me to stop doing something that right now in my business is generating about a half million dollars a year and to step out into something that over the next two or three years might potentially generate zero, but could actually get to the place where it generates million-dollar weekends. All right, you left me and our listeners on a total cliffhanger here. And I'm going to go with that was on purpose or not, but you didn't say what it was. So obviously you're stepping into something new. I have a feeling I know what it is because I've been on your website, Podcast Answer Man, on your resource page. What is it exactly? I would say that, Within a couple of years, you'll see me doing live events where 1,000 people will spend $1,000 per person to spend a weekend at an event that I host. $1 million weekends for our business. Okay, but you got a product right now where you help people. So for our listeners, some people say, hey, man, I think I want to do this podcast thing, or I love listening, or I want to talk, or I got a message I want to get out. You help that. I do. It's podcasting A to Z. That's my biggest money generator right now. I've been doing it since March 2011. It is something that I've had 25 sessions of. Actually, August 1st will be my 26th session. Okay. I've had over 650 students go through this course. Not a single student has ever asked for a refund. It is 100% satisfaction. Everybody's satisfied. Anybody who's ever wanted to launch a podcast who's taken this course has successfully launched a podcast. And the interesting thing is, is that this is the one thing that probably will not last for many more years because it is the one thing that is currently the number one generator of income in my business. But it's something that I think is going to be replaced by some other things that I think is going to have more impact in the future. So if anybody's interested in having me as their personal coach for four weeks and you literally do have me as your coach, this is not just some support ticket thing. You get literally me as your personal coach for four weeks, and all the details are at podcastingatoz.com. I think we need to check that out, man. That's exciting. Okay, so again, I have to share this with you. Are you ready, Cliff? Yep. Okay, I'm ready. So I think this is really perfect timing. I was praying about if I give this to you before or after, but it's perfect. You talk about timing what the next couple of years looks like, okay? Yep. So as I was praying for you this morning, I was journaling and I really specifically, God gave me a word for you and I want to share it with you. All right. Okay. It says, Cliff is going to be known as a shifter, not just the answer man. Cliff is going to be at the forefront of the changing the direction of podcasting and how it's done. I will be giving Cliff new, fresh ideas. He is anointed to feed the spiritually lost and hungry and bring lasting food to their soul. The Lord would say to you, Cliff, that you are a gift giver. 
and you were outpouring and full of me is what I heard the Lord say. Wow. That is awesome. And the interesting thing is that I've been hearing him say those words to me over the last weeks and months. So that was just confirmation. Complete confirmation of where I think God is leading. And the interesting thing is I have no idea what it looks like. Yeah. (laughs) But what I know is that here's the interesting thing, John. I know that what I'm about ready to do, I'm very blessed. Sometimes I forget how successful I am because of the circle of friends that I run in. Their successes. So intentionally, I choose to run in circles with people who have gone much further down the path of success in areas that I want to go down. It's an intentional thing that I do. I surround myself with those people. And the other day, a friend of mine says, Cliff, did you hear what you just said? And I'm like, what? And I said, he said, you just said you have a somewhat successful business. It's like, do you realize that you probably have a more successful business than most anyone you have ever known or ever met? Oh my gosh, you're right. And so I realized that, wow, how far God has brought me. And the one thing that God is consistently laying on my heart, he's like, listen, where we have come in the last 10 years, he goes, number one, this is something I know for a fact. I could not imagine 10 years ago that I'd be where I am today. And if I knew that I would be living the life and the lifestyle and have the impact and have the opportunities that are available to me today, the things that I'm doing today, if I would have known them 10 years ago, John, I would have been scared to death and I would have ran back to my insurance career. Kind of like Moses. Yes. Just like Moses. If you would have told me 10 years ago, I'm going to be an internationally known keynote speaker that I'd be traveling to the United Kingdom and New Zealand and all over the world doing keynote addresses for conferences. What? Are you kidding me? No way. And the interesting thing is that God's given me, I believe, one glimpse of the future that even to say it out loud just scares the crud out of me. Say it, dude. Say it. But I believe that in a couple years from now, I will stand on a stage in the middle of a stadium of 50,000 people. I love it. I'm totally with you. I felt like that goes right along with the word that the Lord gave me this morning. I'm excited for you. So real quick, I'm going to jump into parting thoughts. But right before we jump into parting thoughts, I want to give uh, room for our sponsor. When your schedule is as busy as mine, seeing a doctor can be very difficult. But what if there was a service that can connect you to a U.S. board-certified physician anytime, anywhere? And what if I told you that it's as close and as easy as your telephone? 24-7 MedPlan is an amazing solution that provides telephone access 24-7 between patients and doctors. With medical costs rising and wait times at ERs and clinics getting longer, 24-7 MedPlan allows doctor consults that are on your schedule. What if it's 11 p.m. Saturday night and your child has a fever? Do you go to the ER, endure a three-hour wait, and hundreds or even thousands of dollars in cost? Instead, you can talk live to a medical doctor right then in the comfort of your home, which may avoid a costly visit to the ER. That's peace of mind. Go to 24-7 MedPlan now and register to save time and money and get peace of mind. No deductibles, no contracts, all pre-existing conditions are covered. Offer just $29.95 per month for your whole family at 24-7 MedPlan. So go now to Are You Real and click on the banner 247medplan.com and get peace of mind now. All right, so Cliff, parting thoughts. What is one piece of advice? Man, I mean, 
seriously, you've dropped so much awesome content, not just about podcasting, but about what God's done in your life, how he's done in your life. You've really inspired us, the ups and downs. What would you give our audience one piece of parting advice before we depart? Well, in the world that we live in, we're surrounded by all these people who are out there finding the work that they love. They're transitioning. They're finding their true calling, their true mission in life. And they want to find a way to combine their mission in this world with their work, their career, and their path. And there's a lot of people out there selling the idea that you can find the work that you love. And if you follow your passion, the money will follow, right? And I certainly still believe that. But if the way that I love this question that's been asked of me is, Cliff, if you could travel back in time and tell yourself something back in the beginning, what would you tell yourself? Yes. And I would actually read them this quote from a book called Rework. And this book is by Jason Freed. And it's three little short paragraphs. So I'm going to read it to you. This is my message to anyone who's just getting started. It's called The Myth of the Overnight Sensation. It says this, you will not be a big hit right away. You will not get rich quick. You are not so special that everyone else will instantly pay attention. No one cares about you, at least not yet. Get used to it. You know those overnight success stories you've heard about? It's not the whole story. Dig deeper and you'll usually find people who have busted their butts for years to get into a position where things could take off. And on the rare occasion that instant success does come along, it usually does not last because there's no foundation there to support it. Trade the dream of overnight success for slow, measured growth. It's hard, but you have to be patient. You have to grind it out. You have to do it for a long time before the right people notice. Ooh, man, that is powerful. Where did you find that? It's in the book called Rework by Jason Freed. Wow, I love that. That is powerful. And you can find a little clip where I was just reading it from at gspn.tv slash overnight. All right, Cliff, where do we find you? I know we've mentioned several times throughout the podcast. Purposely, I want people to find you and because what you're doing is awesome. I believe in what you're doing. That's why I wanted to bring you on for my listeners. But where do we find you? I would encourage people to start out at podcastinga2z.com. If you have a desire to take your message, your business, or your life to the next level by creating an audio podcast, which I think is the single greatest investment you can take, but I'm not just selling that because I do make money from it, but I authentically, passionately believe that it could be something that will be a game changer in your life. Not that you'll make lots of money overnight, but you'll have impact in this world that you could not have otherwise through a podcast. So podcasting A to Z dot com. And of course, that actually lands on a page on my website, which will get you to everything else I do. Hey, guys, you can find all of these resources, links. We'll do it all in the show notes at areyoureal.org. You can either type in Cliff's name or he will be our feature on our front page. So check it out. All the show notes, all his links, everything about Cliff, please go support him. What he's doing is awesome. He can help you find more even purpose in what you're feeling like to do if you want to do podcasting. So guys, be real, be authentic. Be That's all for this episode of Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Oh,